0: In today's message, we go back to the book of Hebrews. From the 5th to the 10th chapter of Hebrews, we find the heart of the message that Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, was trying to get across under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that the book of Hebrews is the only book in the scripture that calls Jesus our great high priest. The theme of this book is better, and the theme of our message today is that Christ is a better high priest. We're going to look at the first part of chapter 5, which culminates in the description of christ as a high priest forever after the order of melchizedek and we'll have more to say about melchizedek later on just understand that the priesthood of christ is a greater priesthood than that of the levites under the law i hope you'll join us as we get into the heart of the message of hebrews and look at the high priestly work of our lord but first we have a song selection that i hope you enjoy 5 We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he also saith in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek Tonight, I want to preach to you, the Lord being my helper, on the topic of our better high priest. Our better high priest. I want to say this, too, that it has been clear since the fall of Adam that man needs a priest before God. From the time of the, now in the time of Adam, before his fall, there was no need for a priest. There was no need for one who served in the role that we're going to talk about tonight because God and man had perfect fellowship. Adam was able to walk with God and talk with God and see God as he was. You know, he saw God just like he is because he had no sin to corrupt him. He had no sin to, to uh, interfere. But when he fell, that's when there became separation between God and man. And since the fall of Adam... Man has needed a priest before God. Now, the word priest, this word in Greek, simply means one who offers sacrifices and in general is busied with sacred rites. Sacred so, one who offers sacrifices, it's, it's an intercessory position, it's an intercessory office. And it comes from the word, it's the word hieros, and it comes from the word hieros, which which really means just sacred or something consecrated to the deity or pertaining to God. So the priest is one who comes in between God and man and offers some kind of sacrifice uh, to mediate between the two. By the way, Hebrews is the only book, is the only book that teaches us that Jesus is our high priest. We read about a mediator in other places, but. He's explicitly called our high priest. Now, up to this point, up to uh, basically the end of chapter 4, we've been, uh, we've been dealing with what I would call some introductory things about the book of Hebrews. And remember, we're going to come back to this. The overall theme of Hebrews is the you could sum it up with the word better. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better in every way than what they had under the old economy of the law. But now we've coming into some deep waters, some deep territory, as Brother Michael Goins says. Uh, And by the way, I've been preaching this series on Hebrews, not realizing that Brother Michael Goins was also teaching a series on Hebrews. So if you want to hear the real story and it gotten just right, go listen to Grace Alone Radio and you'll find out what Brother Michael Goins says about all this. So, And you can cast aside anything that, that, I, that he disagrees with me on because I'm sure he knows better than I do. But, uh, but be that as it may, uh, Brother Michael Goins has said, now we're getting into the deep waters. From here, from chapter 5 and verse 1, actually from chapter 4 and about verse 14, down through chapter 10 and verse 18, we're beginning to deal with the central section of Hebrews which is dominated by the theme of Jesus Christ as our great high priest. It's all about the high priestly office and the high priest that we have in Christ. So tonight we're going to kind of begin looking at this, and I'm certain I won't get as deep as Brother Michael, but hopefully we'll get something out of this because there's some things in here that are very uh, important and I believe will be precious to us. Now, remember what I said to start with. We have always needed a high priest. We've always needed someone who is a high priest. Notice, you know, chap- chapter 5 here, in verse 1. Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, it, it, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Since the fall of Adam... We've needed a high priest, and this describes the purpose of the high priest. He's to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Over in chapter 8 and verse 3, just to reinforce that, uh, the writer here says, Every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. And he goes on here to say, Wherefore it is a necessity that this man have some lot to offer Also, that's talking about Jesus there. Of course, we'll come back to that later on. But understand the purpose of the priest is to intercede between God and man. There were, you know, God set up a kingship. There were prophets that were called. There are preachers called now. But before all of that, and even before the law, there was a priest. There was a priest. The fall of Adam required that there be a priest. There be a mediator between God and man. Now... This is, by the way, one of the proofs that men are sinners. You know, as I said earlier, Adam didn't need a high priest. He didn't need a go-between. He could talk with God. He could walk with God in the cool of the day. I like that statement. You know, I don't, I don't like it when it's really hot, and I don't like it when it's really cold. Sherry tries to encourage me and does a really good job of encouraging me to get out and walk, you know, and to, and to exercise. Um... Sometimes it's a fruitless task on her part <laughs> because, you see, if it gets too hot, I don't want to do it. But, you know, if I get up in the morning and it's just down in the 50s, you know, I just don't want to get out there. It's too nippy. You know, it's too cold. It's, if it's just right, I'll get out and walk. If it's just right, it's no problem for me. How many times in your life has it been just right? <laughs> Very few times. Very few times is the weather just right. But you see, in the case of Adam, he was in the cool of the day. He was there at a time when it was just right. It wasn't too cold, and it wasn't too hot. It was in the cool of the day. But you see, so Adam was able to walk with God. He walked with him in the cool of the the day. He was able to to have direct contact with him. But after the fall, there was a need for a priest. There was a need for someone to perform sacrifices. Now, how do we know this? You say, Brother Chris, well, go go to Genesis chapter 4 sometime. And read about the account there about Cain and Abel. What were they doing? They were both bringing sacrifices to God. You see, this is before the law. This is before the Levitical priesthood was set up. You know, there were some certain rituals and formalities that had to be observed under the Levitical priesthood. But even before that, there was a priest. There was a priestly role fulfilled in the home there by the ones that were... uh, Uh, Such as, in that case, just Cain and Abel went before God and they brought sacrifices. You know the story that that, uh, Cain brought the wrong thing. (laughs) You know, it wasn't wrong because there was something inherently bad about the vegetables and the, 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 the produce that he brought. God had ordained that for a particular purpose. But it was wrong because it was not the right type and foreshadowing of the perfect sacrifice that would be required. There is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And see, Cain wasn't coming in the right way. But that's another message altogether. Clearly, though, Adam had taught them that sacrifice must be made. Some sort of intercession was required between God and man after and because of the fall. Now, the Levitical priesthood under the law was set up. But understand others had performed that duty before and apart from Israel and outside of Israel. And the one that comes to mind is the one that's mentioned here, Melchizedek. We'll come back to him in a moment. But understand that Melchizedek had nothing to do with the Aaronic priesthood. He was not part of the Levitical priesthood, which is important. It's going to be important as we go forward to understand that there's a reason uh, that Christ is called Uh, A high priest after the order of Melchizedek and not after the order of Aaron, not after the order of the Levites. We have always needed a high priest ever since the fall of Adam. Well, praise God, we have a high priest. We have a high priest. Now, God gave us a high priest in the sense um, uh, he he gave them them a high priest. Rather, he gave them a high priest under the law. Okay, but notice I want to read some of these qualifications here. I I may I may get on a rabbit trail. (laughs) Before it's over with, Brother Craig, I, this has, it reminds me so much of the, of the preacher's role. But let me just try to stay on track tonight. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. Notice the qualifications for a high priest uh, under the current system, that it, under, the, under the Levitical law. He must come from among men. He was taken from among men. The Levites were those that were taken under the law, but Melchizedek predates the law. Um, So here we have a high priest taken from among men. Think about about Jesus here. Think about Jesus, okay? See, he's leading us up to showing us that Christ is a better high priest. Go back to chapter 2 and verse... 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same. He came from among men. Now I understand he was fully God, but he came from among men. He came down. He could not come down and, as God and do what was necessary to redeem his children, to be the intercessor, to be the high priest. He had to come from among men. You know, this is the concept that blew the minds of the Pharisees. It blew the minds of all those around. You know, some of the, you know, the Pharisees were those that believed in a heaven or a spirit world. They believed men went to heaven. They had no idea, no concept that God might come down to men. <laughs> men could go to God but never thought about God coming to men. But that's what Christ was. Look on down in verse 16. Uh, verse 16, Verily he took not on him that nature of angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. Remember, child of God, it's so important to remember this, that Jesus Christ was a man. Yes, he was God. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. He didn't just inhabit a body. He didn't just look like a man. He had appeared like a man before. He had appeared and looked like a man in the Old Testament days, but this time he was a man. He was a man, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He was made like us. Now, we realize, and I trust you understand, that he had no sin nature. But in every way, essential way, he was like man. He was a man, you see. He must come from among men. Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. So that's one qualification that Jesus Christ met. He came from among men. And that was a qualification that was required even before the law. Now notice, our high priest, he must come from among men, and he must identify with men. He must identify with men. An effective mediator must be able to sympathize with those for whom he is mediating. He must be able to empathize and to understand where we're coming from. And actually, chapter 4 and verse 15 begins that discussion. He says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You know, one of the problems I have with some of our other denominations is that the ones with the great hierarchies, those of the high church order, really can't identify with the common man out here. I mean, I, it's like, think about the... Uh, the I, was, I was watching back when, um, when Queen Elizabeth died. I was watching the proceedings to transfer power, the kingship to King Charles, and, and all the things that they had to do. And I'm, I was, frankly, fascinated by it. it. It was amazing to see what all traditions and things that he had to... Ju- the hoops he had to jump through to become king and to do all that. But, but I was sitting there thinking... King Charles can't identify with the common Briton over there. He he can't identify with the common Englishman over there. He is so far removed from his subjects that he wouldn't understand what it means to try to uh, to have to wait at a red light. Even think about that. He he doesn't even understand what that means. You know, I read somewhere that the king of England doesn't have he's the, he doesn't have to have a passport or a driver's license. He doesn't have to go through security at the airport. <laughs> Some of you that flown, you know what that's like. I have to I pay a little extra to get this little thing that I can bypass the main line because I fly so much. And, uh, but, and that still holds me up a lot. But he can't identify with that. The Pope in the Vatican can't identify with that. The priests up on a pedestal cannot identify with that. But our high priest can identify with us. He says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now that's the key difference. We'll come back to it in a minute. But understand that in all points, there's nothing we go through that he can't identify with. Do you feel abandoned by your family? He can identify with that. Do you feel put upon by those around you? He can identify with that. Do you feel persecuted without a cause? He can identify with that. Do you hurt? Do you have pain? He can identify with that and more. The death you die will be nothing like the death he died. The death you die, child of God, will be a death that never separates you from God. But he was separated from his father. He can identify with everything that you go through and more. He can sympathize with every infirmity I have. Listen to this. Chapter 5 again. Verse 2. Who can have compassion on the ignorant... And on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. You know, I, I don't like to feel myself to be ignorant. But there's been many times when I have been <laughs> ignorant. You know, we use it as a pejorative today, but all it means is you just don't know. You're just uneducated as to that particular area. You know, um, you know I'm ignorant of rocket science. I'm ignorant of that, you know. I, I know the law. I know a lot about the law. There's some areas of the law I'm ignorant about. You know, when I was um, first started practicing here in Pickens County, you know, I spent all my life practicing primarily in the state courts. The federal court system is a lot different than the state court system. One of the older lawyers here in Pickens County, when I was a young lawyer, said, son, do you know how we get the federal court from Pickens County? I said, no, sir, how do we get there? He said, kicking and screaming. <laughs> because most of us over here in the legal profession are ignorant of how to practice in, the, uh, in the, the federal courts, you see. I don't like feeling that way. But you know, our God can identify and have compassion on us in our ignorance. Isn't that wonderful? is that in the time when we're being most embarrassed we're most downcast and look at them that are out of the way now that i don't know all the nuances of that phrase and what all it means but i know this i know that there have been times in my life when i've been out of the way i've been out of the right way i've been on in the wrong way sometimes maybe this is just talking about i'm just all out of sorts (laughs) if that's the case then Sherry can tell you, yesterday I was out of the way. Yesterday I just had a bad day. You ever just had a bad day? Jesus can identify with that. He can can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. Sometimes I have trouble having compassion on people that are out of the way because they put themselves there. You know, what I want to say is I want to say, well, you know, oh boy, you're getting what you deserve. (laughs) What would you expect? You know, I want to say that. Sometimes I struggle with that as a preacher, Brother Ronnie. I get to say, well, what do you think is going to happen here? But Jesus Christ, although there are always consequences to our sins and our actions, I get that. But Jesus Christ is not an I told you so high priest. You know, I'm, I tend to, there's, I, hate, I hate to even admit it and confess it up here, but there are times I like to say I told you so. I, I want to be proven right. I like to prove my point. Sherry's nodding over here just like well, she's not nodding, but she's nodding inside. I know that. <laughs> I know she's nodding inside because she knows that. My kids are probably nodding back there. But I like to prove my point. I've, I, but but my, Jesus, Jesus is not that way. He has compassion on those that are out of the way. You know, sometimes I, I've heard Brother Buddy say this. Sometimes I, I tend to think that, that chastening is a one-for-one one prop proposition. For every sin I commit, for every one sin I commit, there's one chastening rod. There's one chastening stripe. Now there really ought to be, but did you know that sometimes God has mercy on me? Oftentimes he has mercy on me. That doesn't mean we can sin at will or we ought to just give in to the temptation because there are times when chastening comes, but our God is a compassionate God. He's not just a one for one. Well, there's one sin, there's whap, one one of application of the rod. No, he has compassion on us from time, many, many times when, when we don't deserve it. You see, he can identify with us. He sympathizes with every infirmity that I have. You see, the, the priests taken from among men here that were mortal men, okay, notice it says that they had to make an atonement for their own sins. Remember the Jewish priests. Uh, you remember over in the book of Leviticus, we won't turn there, but the 16th chapter talks about the scapegoat. There were, two, there were two goats. There wasn't just one scapegoat, there were two goats. He took two goats, and one of them he sacrificed for the sins of the people, but he had to take a bullock also and sacrifice for his own sins and then lay his hand upon the head of the goat that was to be the scapegoat. When Aaron went into the holy place on the Day of Atonement, he had to make an atonement, he had to make a sacrifice for his own sins. You see. So Aaron, as the high priest, could understand the plight of those he represented because he even he had to make an atonement. He had to make an atonement sacrifice first. You look over in chapter 7 of, of, of Hebrews. Look, uh, look at chapter 7 and verse 27. Now he's talking about Jesus here and that he didn't need to do this, but notice that he said those high priests had to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins. And then for the peoples. That was the way of the sacrifice. That was, uh, that was the way of the earthly high priest. And notice in chapter 9, he said, verse 7. But into the second, that is, into the Holy of Holies, went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of his people. That's what the high priest had to do. And he could identify with the people that he represented now let me just say this i said i wouldn't get off on a on a tangent about preachers because we're not under the law we're not we don't have high priests but there's many similarities that i read here that remind me of preachers and their qualifications and one thing that is so important for a preacher to have is self-awareness self-awareness it's essential in a priest under the law and in a preacher today because only by understanding our own sins, can we as preachers have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? You see, if I thought that I was some kind of high and mighty self-righteous Pharisee and some preachers I know are like that, that if I was some self-righteous Pharisee, I'd have trouble having compassion upon you out there in the pew. I'd be sitting out there thinking, boy, I'm glad I'm not like this one. I'm glad I'm not like that one. I I see what they're doing, but I'm glad I'm so much holier. Beloved, we better be self-aware as preachers. If you, any of you young men are ever called to be a preacher, one of the problems of a novice preacher is he's lifted up in pride and falls into temptation and the snare of the devil, you see. This, this priest, though, had to be reminded every time he went in to make those, those sacrifices, he had to sacrifice for himself first, you see. Okay? Now, we're going to come back to this, but understand that didn't apply to Christ. That didn't apply to him, but we'll come back to that in a moment. You understand that that was the, the point, though, of those priests, was that they could identify with the people. Notice another qualification for being a high priest is that the high priest must be called by God for the people. He must be called by God for them. Notice verse 4. No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Now again... Not to get too far afield into preachers, but that's why one of the reasons we believe that preachers must be called by God. A man doesn't just decide one morning, I think I'll make a career out of preaching. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that's his purpose, uh, he's going to be sadly disappointed because I haven't so far um, hit the million-dollar mark being a preacher. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about church. The, the church takes good care of me here. I'm thankful for what you do fi- financially and in other material ways. But it's not about making a living. It's not a career. It's not a career choice. I know there are those that go into the seminaries making it a career choice. That's the wrong way to do it. It's a man who is called by God that's qualified to be a minister of God, a preacher. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates.